generation of kings. John chapter 8, very quickly, verse, from verse 1. Now early, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman who was caught in what? Can you shout aloud? Now, don't go like, I don't want to mention such words. This was a dirty. If God included it in the Bible, he expects you to read it. Amen? What was the woman caught in? And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman or rabbi, qualified teacher, scholar, one person, influencer, somebody that people listen to. This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such, such, they even call her a woman, such, that kind of person should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one. Every, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Please drop your Bibles. Go to five people and say, where are your accusers? Where? <laughs> Sir, in the cardigan, you can also stand and go to two, three, four, five people and tell them, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? Where are those who accuse you? Where? Are your accusers where has no one condemned you she said no one Lord and Jesus said to her neither do I condemn you go and sin no more then Jesus spoke to them again saying I am the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life somebody say amen Father, we thank you for the inspiration of your word. We thank you for the tutorial capacity of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that as we gather today, we are not here to hear the words of men or the words of condemnation and guilt. We are here, oh God, to hear your word of life, of freedom, of emancipation and transformation. Father, we ask for the spirit of revelation to be poured forth so lavishly and so generously that beyond the letter, we will experience the spirit and the truth. I take authority over every distracting thought and every destructive tendency that seeks to stand in the way of the free flow of the truth. I break in pieces every resistance 
to the penetrative power of the word. I come against every contention against the truth and every uh, cultural ideology, religious baggage that blocks out and obscures the light of salvation. I pray that everyone in here will walk in a new dimension of freedom, a new dimension of emancipation. Oh, that amen needs encouragement. A new dimension of grace and a new found love for the savior of our souls we will not just leave here with notes full of revelations we'll leave here with hearts that are void of fear with hearts that are full of joy and with spirits ignited with fresh passion to follow Jesus for the rest of our days with increasing intimacy in Jesus name we've prayed can your amen be louder can your amen be stronger powerful that is the minimum you should go put yourself into it now in the first service I did a lot of exegesis on the text and I'm not going to go through all of that you can listen to the message again there are possibly a couple of things that you possibly didn't understand up until the end of the message and also you want to refresh your memory you want to go over it over and over again but generally what happens is there's a woman who's caught in adultery she is you know doing jangulova with uh, some kind of person jangulova ikbomoto jingle over what they call the real thing jingle over what jingle over like a motto right Basically, they were, you know, in an entanglement. And it was not just an emotional entanglement. It was a physical entanglement. There was a physical evidence of what was going on. As a matter of fact, it seems more than an evidence. It seems like heavy dense. Like the density was quite heavy, right? Because it attracted the Pharisees and teachers of the law. And they actually just felt, you know what, we're going to nail Jesus with this. And I wanted to begin to see the deception of human, the human nature, the subtlety of the fallen nature. That they saw this woman caught in sin and they were passionate about every other thing but the heart of this woman. They were more concerned about, should we obey Moses? Should we stone her? They were more concerned about, should we trap Jesus with this question? In other words, not everybody who's identifying an issue in your life is there to solve it. And so you have to be careful of people who always seem to be excited when you're not looking well. Have you met some people before that when it is that you're doing well and vibrant, you post nice things online, there's no comment about it, no support about it, there's no sharing of that post, but the day you put on your WhatsApp story, this life, dot, dot, dot. Oh, come on, somebody talking. They reply immediately and say, ah, it's true, this life. We are nothing but pencil in the hands of the creator. When you post nice things, there is not much there. But when you say, ah, I'm going through pain. Be like, you see, you're not alone. I'm also going through pain. Why? There's just something about the human nature that seems somewhat more excited about negativity than positivity. Have you noticed that as well? 
even in your own life, that when God does something great to you, instead of you to be more ex vociferous, extravagant, exuberant in expressing that, you know, you're just like, God, you tried, you did, did well. But when there's a prayer point you've been trusting God for, can we talk right now? And something you feel God has not come through on, you give God attitude, you sulk, you carry a long face like you're six o'clock, come on. Did you get that? Right? Because there's something about human nature that wants to amplify the negative and minimize the positive. Well, the divine nature is not like that. The divine nature says his anger is for a moment, but his what? Favor is for? Have you seen that before? Let's see that in Psalms chapter 30 verse 5. It said as anger is, God gets angry. I talked to that last week. But as anger is for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. In other words, God's favor is punctuated by anger. It is not God's anger that is punctuated by favor. You see that now. God is not perpetually angry. And then, ah, he just does you a favor. No. God has a favorable disposition towards you. And then there are moments where there's misalignment in your life. And those moments of misalignment, he seeks to correct you, not out of anger, but out of love. Is somebody understanding this? The direct declaration of this prophecy is actually talking about God exhausting his anger on Jesus on the cross. It's a prophetic psalm. So in that moment where Jesus was placed on the cross, the wrath of God was fully meted on Jesus. It was not omitted. He was fully meted on him. The Bible says that it pleased the Father to bruise him. Why? Because out of that dastardly judgment was going to come life everlasting for all who will believe in Jesus. Somebody give God praise. You see what I'm saying? If I say, bind the spirit of death, People will shout louder. Now I said, somebody give God praise. Somebody give God praise. So as a result of that, weeping me in there for a night. Because of what Christ did on the cross. Whenever there is weeping in your life, somebody says, it's just for a night. Shout it louder, it's just for a night. I want to prophesy over somebody who looks like they've been in a long night. You are like, well, we've been it's just for a night, but this night has been long. I remember one night when I had a toothache. Have you ever had a toothache before on a night? The night's supposed to be six hours. It feels like 16 hours because when you're in pain, it looks like time is longer. Who am I speaking to? For anybody who's been in any kind of pain, physical pain, emotional pain, medical pain, financial pain, I come to encourage you. Weeping, it may endure for a night, but joy is breaking out on the horizon of your life. You might be in pain over not having a relationship, but somebody else is in pain because they have a relationship that has lasted longer than you thought it would before marriage will happen. Isn't it interesting that what is causing you pain is what somebody else has that is causing them pain in a different way. That sometimes what you don't have is causing you pain. 
pain, but somebody else who has that thing, that thing they have is still causing them pain. It does not matter what the source of the pain is. It matters what the source of your healing is. Wherever there is pain in your heart, pain in your body, pain of not having a job, or pain of having a job and not earning enough, pain of not earning enough, or pain of earning enough but you don't know where the money goes to, pain of knowing where the money goes to, or pain of the money going to service medical bills. I come to release and activate hope in your heart, in your life, in your mind, in your psychology. Your joy is now here. Joy is welling up in your spirit. Joy is rising in your heart. Joy is exploding on the horizon. You put in the application and it seems like they are not answering you. Well, in the next five days, by Friday, somebody will receive positive feedback from the abroad, as we'll call it. Receive quick speed activation in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, my joy is here. Look at somebody, you don't have to step out of your seat, but look at somebody say there is joy now. There is joy. Your life is not supposed to be one long stretch of pain and then punctuations of favor. That's not the divine equation. The divine equation is lifetime of favor and then moments of correction. Moments of correction cause correction, alteration. There is no pilot that is flying an aircraft and all the pilot is doing is cause correcting the flight. That person does, you know, cause correction when you're trying to align. The person is about to crash it. God does not spend the entirety of his walk with you, rebuking you, chastising you, correcting you, squeezing you. No, he spends the entirety walking you through the labyrinth of his favor so that you can enjoy the fullness of that. And so when this woman is caught in, the, in adultery, do you know that the Pharisees reduced the entirety of this woman's life to just one act? All of a sudden... We don't know how many of the Pharisees this woman had bought food for. Oh, can we talk? Why are you all so quiet? Can we talk? We all of a sudden, we don't know whether she was a great singer. All of a sudden, we don't know whether she fetched water by the well. All of a sudden, we don't know whether she was a seller of purple. We don't know any of the good things that they've done. Why? Because the enemy wants to eclipse everything good about you with that thing that he thinks is not good about you. Are you seeing this now? Everybody, place your palm in front of your face. Place it. Move it closer. 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 <laughs> Just seems like this. What can you see? What can you see? It's not a trick question. It's a literal question. What can you see? <laughs> I'm not saying what can your neighbor see. It's what you can just see. What can you see? Someone says nothing. Someone says my palm. Someone says, Abram, you're trying to describe something? You can see two fingers. All of a sudden, you cannot see me. I'm right in front of you. But you cannot see me because your consciousness is connected to your palm. 
What can you not see because you're conscious of the mistakes you made? That the goodness of God can be so abundant. Your future can be replete with a great ministry, a great calling, fantastic messages, a fantastic marriage, beautiful children, a charity, philanthropy. But you can't see it. Why? Because the enemy wants you to be conscious of what you were caught in. Look at somebody and say, I am bigger than my past. Some of you said it with energy, but you didn't say, Doc, it's good to see you. How are your exams, Doc? Look at somebody and say, I am bigger than my past. Somebody did not believe you. Give me some accompaniment there. Look for three people and say, I am bigger than my past. Jason, can you imagine? They said this woman was caught in adultery. In other words, Jesus, when you think about this woman, what we want you to think is that she was caught. Isn't it interesting that people who don't like you try to impute their hatred of you on God? In other words, God, why should you be blessing somebody I don't like? Why always her? But the Bible says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Oh, come on, somebody. Caught in the act, and Jesus speaks for her. The word says that Jesus said, Any one of you who has not seen, though, let him be the first to cast the first stone. Do you notice what happened? What was the order of their separation? Give me the next verse. The word says that they were convicted by their conscience. They were convicted by their conscience and they went out one by one, beginning with the... Why? Because the older you grow, the longer your archives of misbehavior. Oh, come on. Oh, y'all talk to me right now. Y'all talk to me right now. When you were an innocent little child, you didn't do so many bad things. And whatever bad things you did, you did not actually do out of wanting to be bad. How many of you at three were plotting how to steal from your neighbor's house at three? Shana Walenye. At three, you're like, I'm having a mind money heist. <laughs> you were not thinking like that. Now, how many of you at three, when you were running around, the way you were running around at three, like, why, why is our chest bigger than mine? Why is the backside big? Were you thinking about comparison and all of that? At three, were you? How many of you are at the age of four, for guys, at the age of four, you saw somebody, I like, I must have her, I must have her. Some people are not answering, no. Answer. Let's know where you are. But when you got into puberty and you woke up a certain kind of way, something was coming alive in you. <laughs> Sometimes without your permission. Can I talk right now? And nobody ever tutored you or mentored you as to what to do with such constructions. I don't want to. Uh, 
those architectural masterpieces rising up strong some ladies who had the monthly visitation they were told that the way you solve the pain that monthly pain is to be intimate with somebody anybody heard that now it's not just people heard it some people possibly here tried it and it triggered a cycle of events that were totally avoidable Should I preach or I should teach you Moses? Can I go in? The oldest to the last. Why? Because as you grow older, there are more temptations you have to walk through. More issues, more contention. And some of you have not been through some of the worst pains. Some of the worst pains are not physical. Some of the worst pains are betrayal. Somebody you raised, you invested in, you launched their business for them, then they rubbished you, stole from you, and they're using the media against you. That doesn't happen to you when you're 19 or 20. When you're 35, 40, 45, and you are building, that's the real temptation. Are you understanding this? Now? Many times you wonder why many older people are quiet. Why are they quiet? Because I'm all within their eye don't see. And then they get to a point where they feel my silence is more helpful than my speech. Oh, come on, somebody. Isn't it interesting how there was a time in your life you felt you knew everything. You were always quick to advise everybody. You were only 19, but you say I'm a destiny consultant. Soul engineer. Revamper of inner man. Inner man panel beater. <laughs> Assistant chief priest. White lion of Zion. <laughs> I have the cool banner. Oh, be grateful. You, you know, your voice can be loud in a certain area until life changes it for you. There's a reason Paul knew what he was saying. Let him that thinks he stands take heed. Why? Because the journey of faith can be slippery. And nobody survives it with arrogance. Nobody. So in a certain direction, whenever something is getting your attention so much and your voice is getting louder, and you're becoming so passionate and intense, revisit your motives about that thing. Revisit it. So from the oldest to the last one. The last ones, as in the younger ones, they are the ones that think they have no sin. This is the reason the younger you are, the quick you are to correct people who are older than you. Because in your mind, you know it all. Ah, uh -uh. who's your father? Your father, old school man. That doesn't even know how to pray WhatsApp. How can he know what's up? There's a subliminal association in your mind. The cockiness that comes 
with untested knowledge is not the same thing as seasoned wisdom. Not the same thing. I was speaking to Fidel on his birthday, just spent time and praying with him and all. And there was a thought that was inspired in my heart, part of the prophetic word that God gave me for him, was that the Lord is moving him not just into revelation, but from revelation to enlightenment. And a lot of people don't know the difference. You can have revelation in an instant. Enlightenment is a process. If just gazing at the glory is all you needed, you will not say behold. You will say take a look and move. But you know you can take a look and forget what you saw. James teaches us that. That you can have revelation and when you are away from that sacred space, your life is a contradiction to the revelation. Because you had revelation but not enlightenment. Enlightenment is the progressive appropriation of revelation so that it develops the character revelation was sent to cultivate. <laughs> Describing Jesus is not the same thing as walking with him. From the oldest to the last. Because the young man, eh, me, I'm good now. Not slept anybody. This Baba they fall my hand. Oh. Don't drop your stone. To stone this woman is shocking me. To kill somebody is hungry me. Tum, tum, tum. The stones were dropping. The youngest people stayed there thinking, I'm all that. Maybe the reason you think you're that great is that you are not examining your life through the lens of God's holiness. Not realizing that even if it's a speck, it falls below the standard of God. This is the reason when you see the holiness of God, like Isaiah, you will say, I'm undone. <laughs> I'm a man of unclean lips. Because for the first five chapters, Isaiah was saying, Whoa unto you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But when he wore alone, alone said, What's what's will be? Look here, come, come, let's let's talk. You need me as much as they need me. The gap that exists requires grace. And so we see Jesus was left alone. He was the only one that had the legitimate premise to condemn this woman. The words and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And I explained the first service. If Jesus was left alone and the woman was standing in the midst, that means that Jesus changed her circle. Because how can I be alone with you and you're still in the mist? She was in the center of grace. In the center. Because God pours grace to the humble. He pours grace to the battles of the broken. He releases grace to all of that. He said, does anyone accuse you? Where are your accusers? said there is no one he said neither do i accuse you now watch this the one who was most qualified to accuse her did not accuse her 
which means that every accusation against one with Jesus is a baseless accusation. Because the enemy who's accusing you is more guilty than you. Get it, get it, get it. If the devil is accusing you, he's more guilty than you. You have not come into the Shekinah of God physically. You have not. You have not seen the hot coals. You have not offered fresh songs from the hot coals before the throne of God. You have not created an embellishment of resources in the heavens. You have not tasted of the experience of time before time or time without time. Yet Lucifer, he has seen God in all of that glory, yet he rebels and he has done that for thousands of years what it means is legally speaking and logically speaking the devil has no right to accuse you do you understand what I'm saying I'm not even talking about the blood yet it's a different matter but it's like somebody who killed somebody who's trying to accuse somebody who told a lie do you understand this now that the devil has no right he has no premise he has no basis to accuse you some of you don't look like you believe it but I wanted to Shout, devil, you have no right to accuse me. Shout it louder. Or rather, I see you saying it, but can you scream it? Devil, you have no right to accuse me. The devil has no bragging rights on you. The devil has no bragging rights on you. He plotted a coup. Do you know how big that crime is? If somebody around tears Buari's picture on the street, the policemen will not come after him. They break down APC or PDB billboards. They won't come after him. But if you plot a coup and you are caught, you are imprisoned for God knows how long, especially if it's this regime. You might be there till you become a grandfather. Well, the enemy tried to plot a coup against God. Such a grave sin. How dare you come against your creator. So when the devil comes to you, even as a fallen man, look at you. Your sin is bigger than mine, devil. You have no right to accomplish or to accuse me. I'll still come to the blood. But I want this part to be in in your consciousness he has no right to talk down about you to beat you over the head in fact let me tell you has no right to even accuse unbelievers that's why watch this now that's why I read in John chapter 5 in the first service Jesus said I don't accuse you it's even Moses that accuses you God does not accuse man Understand that. Understand that. Where are your accusers? But you know what the enemy does? He uses technology. He records words of accusation and then he inserts it in your playlist. As long as that track is on your playlist, once you finish singing, receive a living sacrifice. Ah, I'm stupid. Ah. I'm stupid. Ah, 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 ah,
Rivers of my spirit. Channels of my spirit. What do I should say? Right after listening to a godly song. Why? The track is there. Now the problem is not that you cannot switch the, ta- the track. The problem is you, you think you deserve to hear the track. See, the enemy is like a, an upcoming rap artist who has a mixtape. Do you understand? He has a mixtape. That mixtape, anything that is selling, he puts it there. So whether it's gospel or anaconda. Right? Or balabala. And he knows that the mind has the ability to play the track long after the DJ has left the turntable. Come on, somebody. Now, many of you say different times. So this, this, uh, uh, what song did you do this first service? You love me so sweetly. You heal me completely. Tuesday, as you're on your own, it will just pop up. Rivers in my belly more. Wave after wave after. Do you have a CD? There's an internal machine inside your head. From the first day, the devil discovered that and said, Ah, I've caught these people. They are finished. Me, DJ of life. DJ, devil's jams. You will hear it. All kinds of tracks. I will lay the tracks and train you in the way you should not go. Some of y'all didn't get that. So now you have a catalog of criticism. And God says, it's over. No, 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 it must not be over. You must repeat this track. Ah, I'm stupid. <laughs> Doesn't sound like that. Please, I'm going to look at your neighbor. Say, what tracks have you been playing in your mind? What has Christ freed us from? For time's sake, three major things. The Christ has freed us from. I don't have enough time to explain what he has freed us to. But let's deal with what he has freed us from and cover as much of it as we can. Number one, he has freed us, just like this woman, from the bondage of sin. The power of sin, the captivity we're held in by sin. We were bound. This woman was bound. And see, this woman was not just caught up in adultery. When they caught her in adultery, they caught her up in judgment. They caught her up in condemnation and explained, the enemy doesn't care what you are caught in as long as you are caught. Do you get? In fact, how many of you know that the devil can catch you in something that really does not exist? Are you aware that people have suffered from fears that were totally unfounded for years and they live their reality based on those fears? They shape their lives, their culture, their conversations, their dressing on those fears. Hmm. Are you following this now? 
And, and some of those fears are even around debates. Around theological debates. So for example, there are people still today who are persuaded that your salvation is not complete without immersion inside water. Yet, Jesus says, a woman's sin is forgiven. Before anybody was baptized inside water apart from Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't say, your sin is forgiven, but it's on probation. Probational libration. <laughs> Until there's an immersion. Are you following this? Live on the cross. Today, if you're in paradise, ah, but let's quickly find water. Roman soldier, please bring water. He needs to be baptized on the cross. Now, don't forget what I said, as long as you are caught. So if it's theology that I can use to catch you. Do you, do you get it? Understand it. When the Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has made us free, a transition of Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. It said, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and do not be yoked again to bondage, right? Now, anything that can bind you, God doesn't like it. Anything. It does not have to be seen. Anything that establishes superiority on your loyalty and allegiance above him is an idol that he wants to wrestle out of your space. Anything doesn't have to be what we call sin. He said, I want to have the maximum grip on you. So God liberated us from the yoke of sin. Somebody say, I'm free from sin. Please understand, I'm not just free from the remorse that happens when I sin. Because in the teaching, in some teachings, in some circles, what people are free from is the remorse and the responsibility for their wrong action. In other words, eh, you sin, so Christ is forgiving you. So people now begin to sin and they don't feel any how. That's not what Christ came to die for. Are you getting the difference? What Christ came to deal with was not just the feeling of remorse. It was the grip of sin. So it shall save you from your sins. John chapter 8, 31 to 36. John 8, 31 to 36. Then Jesus said to these Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word. Hallelujah. You are my disciples indeed. And you shall know what the truth and what's going to make you free. The truth shall. Can you shout that? The truth shall make you free. Now look at what they said. They now answered him arrogantly. We are Abraham's descendants. Hmm, you don't even know us. Hmm, this is Jesus. You are quite ignorant. And we have never been in bondage to anyone. Others were not slaves. We're not, you know, because in this dispensation, slavery was already arrived. The Roman soldiers and all those guys were already trading slaves and all of that. So they were trying to tell Jesus, we are not from Africa or parts of Asia where slaves were imported were free. They were thinking about bondage physically and he said, he said we're not bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? Jesus answered them. Look at what it said. Most assuredly I say to you whoever in the right context habitually commits sin. Whoever has a commitment to sin. Whoever has the routine and regulation to sin. What is that person? The person is a 
slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. Do you understand what it's saying? That a slave does not have a sense of ownership. The slave has an orphan spirit. The slave says, if I do wrong, I run away from the house. That's the slavery mentality. If I slip into sin, I don't come to church. If I slip into sin, I don't show up on Sundays. That's a slave mentality. Because the slave thinks that what grants me a seat in the house is my good performance. This truth, as simple as it may seem, many believers don't know it. And so they are always outside the house, always running away from things that are not chasing them. It's an orphan spirit. It's a slave mentality that runs away from God. Now, when Adam fell, when Adam sinned, don't forget, who came looking for Adam? What did Adam do? Adam made fig leaves and tried to do what? Cover himself. What was supposed to be deriving grooming from Adam? Adam was trying to use to groom himself. Adam was supposed to groom the tree, not the tree to clothe Adam. So this slavery mindset puts everything in the wrong, in the reverse direction. It says, oh, I need to do good, then God will forgive me. No, receiving the gift of forgiveness opens up access for the life force of mercy to clean and tidy up the internal environment. Are you seeing that now? He said the son, but who abides forever? Who abides forever? But a son abides forever. So David, what that means is when I operate as a son, I've messed up, but we're going to fix it. Is somebody getting this now? Steve, are you getting it now? Oh, I missed the mark, but I'm going to fix it. Jesus did not die for you until. Jesus did not die for you if. Jesus died for you. In other words, until when is his death at what point does his death become ineffectual? Never. Never. What grants you access to it perpetually is faith. Believe in the Son. Believe in the Son. He that believes to the end. If you believe in the Son, you have life. He that believes in the Son has life and has passed from death to life. Somebody say, I'm free. I need you to raise your right hand or your left hand and shout I'm free. Therefore, if it's the son that makes you free, what happens? Let me explain what this is to you. Can we have three people? Can we have three guys and a lady? So this lady, she's going through stuff. She's going through stuff. A lady real quick. Going through a whole lot of stuff. Maybe she's going through, she can't pay her school fees or something. So she's going through that. I mean, she's a graduate, working class big girl, so, right? But she's going through all this stuff, all this financial things and all of that. And then here comes this guy. This guy likes, let me use a single man. 
Jason. Jason. He's not quite single. I've, I've not used Jason in a long time. There was a time I used to use Jason a lot. Let me, let me use Joshua. <laughs> so this guy, he likes this girl. And when he wants to engage this girl, because he wants to engage the girl, when I say engage, interface with her. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Get involved. Now, because he has selfish intentions... He's going to look for something he can use to hook her, right? So you find out what is the most either vulnerable or pressing need in her life. And then position himself as the ultimate solution. Are you seeing that now? Follow this. See, once you understand how the devil works. When the Bible says, my prepare for lack of knowledge. Certain things you are doing, there's a reason you are doing it. You might not know why. But if you expose it to the light of God's word and godly counsel and meditate, light is going to break forth. Do you get me? See, there's a difference between dubbing somebody's assignment and then walking you through the solution process. When they walk you through the solution process, like, ah, Fido, you know, process engineering, chemical engineering. All those entropy and enthalpy and decanting and cryogenics and all those chemo blau. I was going to say Schrodinger. These sound very complex. But if somebody is able to tell you step one, step two, st are you getting it? Then you can uncouple. Do you get that if you get tripped up, you know you knew what you were doing. Or you were in a very, very, very bad place. Do you understand? Now, so he studies and says, ah, this one. She's looking for school fees. School fees. <laughs> no problem. So he comes and he establishes rapport. He says, wearing red I'm wearing red tie. Can we? Hello? Is it me I'm looking for? <laughs> she says, okay, fine, whatever. Let's sh cut short the other pieces. Basically, you want money, Abby? Yeah. <laughs> she said, yes. She's looking for school fees. He overcompensates. School fees is 55,000 naira. He sends 550,000 naira. <laughs> Sounds like Kuban. <laughs> 550,000. Now, <laughs> she is what? Amazed. I'm amazed in your presence. Begins to worship in awe of him. Now she calls me and says, I think you made a mistake. And guess what he says? I just, I just give you from my heart. I'm just a generous guy. Oyama, Oyama, Oyama. Now, there is already what? A debt. Somebody said there is a debt. In her subconscious mind, there is a debt profile. 
So there is, God wired it like that. Nothing was put in us to outdo one another in good works. It was not put in us to be defeated. But anything God created, the devil likes attention. He will seek to introduce himself inside it. Including church. Just, just get it. The devil does not discriminate. Why? Because he knows that God is a global God. So if God is going for the Jews and Gentiles, God says, I'm going for the Jews and Gentiles. He's a copycat. Oh, God is now doing church now. Okay, I'll do church. Oh, there's a generation rising that will do church differently. Devil will start his own kind. You're not understanding. Till the end of the age, that's where it's going to be. They came to sow tears and said, let it be like that till harvest time. Right? Now, because there's a debt profile, anytime there is an engagement, there will now be an um, as a spontaneous outburst of this. This is the simplest form to understand an addiction or an addictive behavior. You were tense, you were under pressure, you took a drag of weed or a drag of whatever you took or they dragged you <laughs> into a place and they were there dragging you after you left the place because you couldn't walk. Now, when that thing relieved your tension, in that moment, a debt profile was created inside you. Because what that thing did was to free you temporarily. This is the reason the Bible does not say if you are free, you'll be free indeed. It said if it's the son that frees you, you will be free indeed. But if it's an alternative behavior that freed you, you have now become a captive to that alternative behavior. Somebody ought to shout for deliverance. Somebody ought to shout for revelation knowledge. I don't want to get too excited because I wanted to understand it. So many people are not free. They're just escapists. So you opt for a lesser sin. To not partake of what you think is the greater sin. Are you seeing that? He's saying that if he's the son, that's it. because other things can set you free. So this guy comes and sets you free from ah 550k. Hey, you need like big girls. All 27, all 26, all this, all that, all one, all five. Bed space. But as you're paying for that bed space, there's also a bed space. That must be serviced. So there's now freedom from the burden of school fees. But there's bondage. And the worst kind of bondage is the one that I think I'm actually in control of. So I will find a way to say he's a nice guy. He's just taking care of me. He's not a bad guy. <laughs> Somebody shout if the sun makes you free. You shall be free indeed. Somebody say the sun has made me free. I am free indeed. So here's what happens. This, you know, all of that is happening. But here comes Jesus. 
Because after a while, because she was not made for that kind of cycle, even though she has temporary relief, she always has this protracted debrief that neutralizes the relief she thought she had. Are you following that now? So that's that thing that lingers long after the ecstatic feeling of escaping into a behavior that has helped me manage my loneliness or my pressure or my tension or my disease or my feelings. Or my, and all those feelings are legitimate because I'm human. Do you get it now? I'm human. So I get overwhelmed. I get tempted. I feel lonely. I feel abandoned. Whether it's true or not, the feeling is there. And do you know that sometimes your feelings are not real? Or rather, your feelings are not prompted, uh, pre premised on something that is real, but they will still drive your behavior. So, Jesus comes and says, ah, you're too pretty for this. You're too nice for this. <laughs> you're too godly for this. I have plans for you. So, that says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thought of good and not of evil to give you a hope and a future to bring you to an expected end, not for somebody to end you unexpectedly. And what Jesus does not demand first, he does not demand change first. He does not. A lot of people feel like Jesus demands change. See, there's something we've missed. We've missed the difference between a follower and a disciple. What you need to be in the world to come, to be with Jesus, is belief. That's all. You don't need to be a disciple to enter life eternal. Discipleship is for those that want to reign with him. Hey. Somebody's not like, ha, ah, okay, I don't want to rain. I'm just fine entering. <laughs> Let me just, my head is. <laughs> so, my, this rain is too big. Let me, let me. Let me just, you know, that's called 41 in school. 41. I'm not carrying over. Let me. That's why Jesus said some people are snatching them out of the fire. They will enter into life. See, the way God has done this thing, he has reduced the cut off to the mark of the cross. He has reduced the cut off mark. Moses said no. You must have 663. Abby, 663. Is that 663 laws. Customary. Moses, you want. Eh? 663. Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it not interesting? 663 is just three marks short of 666. The mark of Antichrist and the mark of. Of course, I already taught you in the first verse. The law is not a bad thing. But people can demonize you and use the law to make it so. So you must have 663. Jesus said, come unto me. This, this burden, to even remember, how many of you can remember 13 out of 663? 10 commandments you cannot even remember. 10. 
That's a 663. Do you know how many books you have to read? That's why people study to become teachers of the law. The law. See all those Pharisees carrying big scrolls. The law. The law. That's why it's pained them. How can I study something so difficult and to now be easy? This is Jesus now saying, believe on me. Believe what? You. Who are you? You. He said before Abraham was. I am. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have a life. But they are they which testify of me. The scriptures are the description. I am the destination. God said, don't worry. The cross, will, we're going to teach code. Where's code red? Where's it? <laughs> oh, look at it. Code red, the blood has fixed it. We'll, do, we'll deal with that next week, second service. He reduced everything. The cut of mark is now the cross. When you get to the cross, you cross over. You're not carrying it over. Like, how much simpler can it be? What he's saying, he's not saying believe that you can overcome it. He said, believe in me because I have overcome the world. It's what they will call in psychology, borrowed belief. This is the reason you need a pastor, a disciple, or a mentor. Because when you don't believe in yourself, the mentor is speaking to you on the level of belief. So it's called borrowed belief. But it's actually God's kind of belief. According as he has dealt to each man, the measure of faith. Romans 11.3, right? The measure of faith. So the belief gift is not me walking it. It's me relaxing. Somebody relax. Let the water carry. <laughs> Relax, I'm taken care of. <laughs> Literally, in this case, right? Okay. So, okay, I got it wrong. Find it for me. Is it Romans 12, 3? Because it has dealt to each man the measure of faith. Find it. So, you see that he wants you to relax and believe in the Son. Okay? So, number one, the bondage of sin. So, this lady now that has all this amazing potential and she's gone through all of that. When Jesus frees her, the first thing is not... Stop doing that. Stop doing that's not the first thing. Because the soul does not work with stop. It doesn't. In fact, if it works, it works against it. It's gonna provoke the wrong response. This is the reason your newest resolutions have never really worked. They'll work for two or three weeks. They don't have the energy to sustain resolve. They don't. Right? So he says, come, let's talk. Let's dine. It's a conversation that brings the conversion. So the woman by the well, Jesus does not say, eh, you. You are going up and down, up and down, up and down with all these men. Jesus does not even deal with that. Use that as a hook and a trick and say, you've been with five different men. This one you're with is not. By the time they were done with that conversation, do you know what the woman said? He says, see a man who has told me everything about it. Was that true? No. But everything that defined her consciousness of her life was discussed in that moment. She had reduced the entirety 
of our life's possibility to those experiences. So Jesus said, let's deal with that first. Because in Revelation 3.20, he said, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, he says, I will come and dine with him and then he will dine with me. Check out the order. That thing that you are eating up, that you think is all there is to your life, it has a finishing point. So I will come to that meal you're eating, finish it first to let you know it's not a big, as big a deal as you're making it. But my own food will be forever. My bread does not go stale. My water does not dry up. My well does not gather dust. I am the cup that won't run dry, scratch that. The river that won't run dry, scratch that. The sea that won't run dry, scratch that. The ocean that will scratch that. I so no problem let's finish this thing and I've taught you before when you read Jesus' encounters with people he almost seemed unrushed almost I mean the disciples they will make a call is anyone ready to be saved or who then shall be saved? People would ask, they'll get to the point, people ask, how then shall we be saved? So it lets me know that what registers people in heaven is not that they said a prayer. Then the ushers counted them. Is a heart belief. Which means some people you think are saved are not. And some people you don't know are saved are saved. So God said, judge nothing before the time. Except you are now a heart inspector. Even though we must add this, that if the heart is really saved, the externals will begin to catch up over time. So he finishes it. And then he begins to explain. Jesus listens to her first. And therefore, uses that indebtedness in the original order. What's the indebtedness? Find a hook, find the vulnerability, over lavish love on it, over lavish love on it, and then the innate God-given death profile instinct in every man will be like, ah, you've been so good to me. Oh yeah, let's talk about your own. This is why the Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Never, that's why it says the wrath of man does not walk the righteousness of God. That's the order, help me Cooper, on which God ordained it. And you know what? You look like what you eat. You also look like who you eat with. When you're eating with people, often you start cracking their kinds of jokes. Noticing their kind of things. Doing their kind of stuff. Jesus says, come eat with me. But it doesn't just stop us, come eat with me. He says, come eat me. <sighs> Y'all didn't get that. Y'all didn't get that. When you eat with me, you pick up my mannerisms. When you eat me, you develop my nature my culture, 
I am the diet for your deliverance. I am the diet for your transformation. I am your diet so you don't have to die yet. But I never have to die. The bread of life. But the enemy will tell you, no, 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 you can't come to the dinner table. You can't come. No, ah, see the rags. See the memories. See the things. He said, go to the byways. Go to the highways. Call everybody to the dinner. Call them. I don't have enough time, but let me give you the two other points. So the burden of sin, number two. Number two. Sorry, guys. He also deals with the penalty. He frees you from the penalty of sin. Romans 6.23, most of us know that. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty don't forget in our text Joshua that lady she said to, to Jesus when Jesus said who accuses you said no one do you know what the lady said said Lord 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 she didn't go to Sunday school she knew anyone that can handle my mess like this. I'm yours for life. This is why, you know, this, how, many, how many of you know sometimes friends, doesn't have to be male, female, men, that are very, very, very close. Men, sometimes, or women. Very, very close. Many times, there is mess that has been handled because our loyalties are deepened with the mess we've cleaned for you. Lord, say so where the spirit of the Lord is. So what God then does is that when he gives you the new nature, he gives you his spirit. Do you, do you get it? So now that you have a spirit inside of you, what do you have there? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? So when the spirit is inside of you, what do you have inside of you? You are not yet working it out. Because you are still in Adama Sigba Stadium, not Liberty Stadium. <laughs> That's a very Ibadan joke. In Ibadan, there are two major stadiums. There are many, there's Olubadan. There are many small stadiums, but there are two major stadiums, right? There's Liberty and there's Adama Sigba Stadium. Many believers in the Ibadan of the spirit, they are in the Adama Sigba Stadium. Not yet in the Liberty Stadium. But what God does is that he puts liberty inside of you. And the spirit bears witness with a spirit that we are the sons of God. Whereby in the middle of mistakes, we can still cry. what we must feed on 
dwell on, meditate on, repeat. Got on G, you get it? 4G, 5G, GG. There is liberty, not there will be. So the moment she engages Jesus, even if there might still be some days or some times where she will just, you know, one day when she's on her way to this place, has been like, what, what's, what's wrong with me? This is not me. I'm not doing it again. And you have to understand you're not serving a linear God, you're serving a circular God, which means that any relapse or mistake you would ever make, he has already seen it. Before he gave you the liberty. So why are you nervous? As in see, this freedom is liberating. Is it? Phrase from the penalty. Number three thing, we can't read the scriptures there. Phrase you from the guilt and the shame. So not only are you not going to get punished, the guilt and the shame, which I've been following all around. So, uh, Messiah, can you just walk around the stage? That thing, nobody else can see it though. Stand there. Because God told me a while ago, don't walk closer to her. Yeah. Anywhere she's going, there's a shadow behind her back. Everybody will look and say, you're such a pretty girl. She's not hearing it. Do you understand? Oh, you're so fine. She's not hearing it. Oh, you dress up. She's even feeling bad. You should leave me alone. Why? Because there is a shadow of guilt and shame dominating her subconscious realm then how good she's not she's only good in that thing but every other thing she's not good and she's not even that good because after she stopped doing that thing with that boy somebody else started doing it so you are good for nothing i'm trying to expose to you the playbook of the devil i've never been one but I know the one who has known him longer than any one of us. He's cunning. He's, see, do, are you seeing that devil is not powerful? Are you seeing it? Trickery. Trickery. Manipulation. Not just, just do it like this. <laughs> Tricks. Trick. It's like when you see a magician, right? You go for a magician. Yo, wow. How did this one a ball? It's trickery. This is what distraction, right? Slight. It says, let nobody cheat you through sleight of hand. In other words, devil can also use the Bible to cheat you. Are you aware? Are you aware? So illusionists, they're called, they're magicians, but actually illusionists. They work with the way the mind works. And so they know that a microsecond of distraction, you will not know where they've put the knife or put the ball or put this. So it's, all you know and you're like ah but in all of that do you keep watching or not that is it you are caught up in the performance do you get it 
you are caught, you are caught, you, are, you can't understand it, but you are caught up. That's why the behold it as in a glass, the glory of God. We are being changed from one level of glory to another. In other words, I fix your life by fixing your focus. The when snakes were biting in the wilderness of Zin, the word says, God said to Moses, make a bronze serpent and put it upon the cross. He said, if anybody looks at the bronze serpent, he shall be healed. And Jesus said, as Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Hey! So from overshadowing, overshadow, she comes, turn around and come. Then she comes and comes to Jesus. And all of a sudden, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Because every human being lives under a shadow. Every human being. The shadow is the cascaded influence of another body that either governs or dictates your moves in life. Every human being. The good thing in the New Testament, with him there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. And so that shadow is not a dark shadow, it's actually light. Because in your light we see light. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, when there was light, the Bible says another light came and overshadowed the light. So God's shadow is not a dark shadow. It's a light shadow that is like a shadow compared to the new light. Oh, come on, somebody. I trust that somebody is free. I trust that somebody has received light. I trust that somebody said, I am free. I'm no longer bound. I have a liberty. I have freedom. I have emancipation. I've been made free somebody glorify the name of the Lord so much more to teach but let's close he let the sun sets free free indeed free indeed free indeed hear that the sun sets free it's free indeed it's free indeed it's free indeed that the sun sets free it's free indeed it's free indeed it's free indeed that the sun sets free it's free Chains are holding me. I am free indeed. I'm free indeed. Free indeed. No 
chains that hold in me. I am free. I'm free indeed. I am free. I'm free indeed. I am free. I'm free indeed. No, no chains that hold in me. Proclaim that, proclaim that. Jeremiah, it's good to see you this morning. Proclaim that. Declare it. Affirm it. Hey, I am free. From the creep of the enemy. I am free. You know one of the things that you have to be confident in? The devil did not set the rules for morality. And it was not appointed the prefect to monitor it. Do you understand? It's joblessness. Rosemont, do you get what I'm saying? You're a lawyer. He didn't say, like, do you understand? How can somebody from Chad come and arrest you for breaking the traffic rules in the Kurodu? What do you call it? Lacks jurisdiction. Do you get it? Bukola, are you getting it? Frank, are you, are you understanding this? He's a renegade. Do you, do you see that? He's, as a, let me say, Yoruba, Kolenu, does not have mouth. How can hurt men come and arrest a lawmaker in Lagos that they did not pack well or pay the parking fines for the venue of, as a, get off. Get out. Somebody shout, get out. Take one minute. May you're as good as you this morning. Love you, man. Let's glorify God for freedom and forgiveness. Glorify God. No chains are holding me. I am free. 
Thank him, thank him. No chains are holding me. I am free. I am healed. No chains are holding me. I am free. I am free. I am healed. I am healed. No chains are. No chains are holding me. I am free. I am free. I am healed. I am healed. No chains are. No chains are holding me. I am free. I am free. I am healed. No chains are. No chains are. blood over your conscience that is one of the things that needs to be dealt with appropriate what's your conscience it's a God-given thing GB please come please come GB your conscience anything that the devil is using against you whether it's your active imagination creative imagination is a gift God is a good God that ability to remember something is an asset but the devil wants to turn it against you right for those of us that have very crazy imaginations that you know we think a lot of stuff so you, you you know you might deal with some lust or some imagination or fears about things that would never never as said, if the devil was was omniscient he would even tap into your brain to get ideas of what to invent against you are you getting the point because some of the things that you are creating with the capacities of your human spirit they beat the devil's imagination i hope you know i hope you know that not all your imaginations are from the devil because concerning Noah he said God saw that the imagination of man's heart so man the Holy Spirit has a regenerative capacity sin brings degeneration but the nature of sin has a self-degeneration capacity oh you're not getting that <laughs> what I mean is that even if the devil is not actively against you, you can self-sabotage yourself. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's self-fulfilling because all devil knew, he understands the technology called man. Man is a technology. You, you know, you know that. You have a phone, then you have SIM card. S I M. Spirit in man. SIM. Breath. Activate him. Inspiration, ideas, pictures, images. Foo, he comes alive. So if I throw certain things in his direction and I see what makes him come alive, I know a pressure point in his life. If I see what he fights to own, I know what to tempt him with. If I know what he craves to see, I know what to... Do you get it? Study yourself under God. You'll be amazed at what will come out of you. You will look like a wonder because you are. So if some of you are selling things that come out of my life that you think are very positive, it's not just, you know, 
oh just no I've, I've spent some time i'm not there i'm not perfect i'm still working on certain things but i've spent a lot of time to know how not to use me against me because that time you become a bomb blast you are a bomb blast you are blasting but you're you are, <laughs> do you understand now jb is here he's wearing red you know the many times when you look at red 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 you close your eyes the first color you're likely to see is red why something in your consciousness has absorbed enough of red so that without your permission the first thing that comes up by default is red or your consciousness the ability to recognize red is heightened by your previous exposure to it this is the reason it said that the communication of your faith might be effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing in you in other words i wanted to train your conscience in the good are you seeing that now it says be ignorant and evil and be conscious or knowledgeable of the good so what happens is many of us we have a guilty conscience or a guilt orientation which is not a spiritual thing in other words by divine legislation you've been freed from it but because you are hosting your conscience your conscience bears strong imprint of guilt even though the sin issue has been dealt with but because you reproduce after your consci consciousness, you will reproduce the guilt of that conscience. Do you see? If you've stepped inside a puddle of water or something wrong outside, as you move around, what are you leaving behind? So you leave imprints of your greatest impressions, not your actual reality. Oh Lord. Am I helping somebody today? Tell me, am I helping somebody today? You are not the messy person, but you walk through mess. So everywhere till you walk out the mess is the mess. So we want to appropriate the power of the blood. So Lord, I appropriate the power of the blood. Let's say it together. Say, Lord, thank you for redeeming me. Sorry, thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for rescuing me. Setting me free from the grip of sin and the grip of the penalty of sin and the grip of shame and guilt I acknowledge the efficacious propitiation I acknowledge the effective sacrifice of Jesus Christ the full weight of the redemptive work of Christ and today I appropriate the blood over my conscience over my consciousness in the name of Jesus I am now son conscious and not seen conscious I am now freedom conscious and not bondage conscious I am now liberty conscious and not captivity conscious in the name of Jesus now pray it in your own word for a minute or two pray it in your own word in your own way Pray it in the name of Jesus.
there is a reason Olushaya in the Old Testament, and we'll look at it when we look at Coach Red. He will say, tell the priest to dip the branch in blood and sprinkle it. So many times when something is going wrong, like demons, they say, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, right? But he didn't say sprinkle the blood against those people. The blood already speaks against them. He said, sprinkle it on the house, on the vessel, on the conscience, on the body. The blood already speaks eternally. So yes, you can give voice to the blood, but the real one is a, a, your own conscience. That's the real deal, is the house. He said that when the angel of death sees the blood, it will pass over. That one is a given. It's not a contest. They understand the, leg, the legal, legal implications of the death of Christ on the cross. It's a legal thing. It's not a religious, it's a political and legal thing. Wherefore, God has given him a name. Go back to that image the devil keeps bringing up. Whether it's rape or addiction, assault, violence, whatever that image is, now raise the blood in the spirit and remove the sting, remove the poison from it. Remove it, you can. It's as easy as you cleaning water that's spilled in your living room. You take a mop and you clean it. That's what you do. You are in charge. You have power, you have authority. It is not a dot check. It is not some kind of hyperventilated support system, no. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound. May it does not matter what that image is. When the enemy comes based on something you did in the past and is trying to tell you that's why this door didn't open. That's why you're not getting that break. No, it's not true. Appropriate the power of the blood and say, Ephata, door be open. Access be granted. Freedom be on full display. Power be unleashed. Thank you, Holy Father. Baradagasis. Brugapali and Tospagovash. Rekato sali vrahoskabatas. Lenda bate sovra kabalia. Suvraha. Ededeketele bruzopolia. Tuzbra. Adokosi davasin de brahatash. Abakosi la kabata. Ezombra kotole vruzapalia tagasi. Elamanda bate kosha balakata. Rato tobati avrazapalia kada. Abo zande kola masi. Edokalavro sanda brugapalia. Egegele kataluzo bolata. Aibo zate koshi balatata. Aratata kataba. Azombra kaba. We go to the roots. We go to the foundations. We go to the depths. We go to the places. As we continue in the series, we'll look at that forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift. Forgiveness is not the prize you give after remorse. Forgiveness is the prize you give after belief based on acknowledging that there was an issue. An acknowledgement of the issue and then believe. Then you confess. 
that you are a recipient, ABC, accept there's an issue, then accept the Lordship of Jesus, believe in the Christ, and then confess Him. The Bible actually does not even say in salvation, Romans 10 and 9, that you should confess your sin. It doesn't even say that. It says confess that Jesus is Lord. It does not mean there's an issue with confessing sin. It's saying that's not God's premise. <laughs> that you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Restitution can be good, but it's not in the requirement. <laughs> right? Going back to all the things you did wrong, I write personal letters. That's, it can be honorable and dignified, but it's not in the requirement. And in some cases, it's totally unnecessary because it's going to lead to a whole different set of things, chapters you didn't even need to reopen. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? some cases might be necessary but in many cases it's not you're not going to tell somebody that you snatched their boyfriend when you were 13 <laughs> and or that it was because of them you had abortion and now write the letter in a place where the wife is going to sit and that happens to show up in a season of their marriage when they're just waiting for one more straw for you to break down and it was your letter of reconciliation that brought their do you understand don't be overly righteous Father, we thank you. Somebody say, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. He was crucified for my sin. He was buried for my sin and is resurrected for my justification and my salvation. And I thank you, God. I am eagerly awaiting the glorification of my mortal body. Thank you, Father, for grace to live as you, to live for you, to live in you, and to live with you between now and the return of Jesus the Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. If you are grateful for the gift, to three people with meaning say I am free and forgiven the generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings to join this growing community of kings visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing. Someone you know needs this. Kindly share this now.